letting the data speak as much as possible, allowing your counterpart to draw conclusions from the data that you've gathered rather than you shoving conclusions in their face. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Justin here. Welcome to episode 163 of APM Success. Today we're getting into some of the really nitty-gritty emotional realities of dealing with money, especially in the context of a household, where if you're married to a person who has different values, different priorities, and different understanding about how money does and should function in your life, oh man, that can be a real point of contention and cause friction in a relationship that really has some... It can be like a, you know, the pebble that you drop in a pond and the ripple effects of that can be significant. So I want to talk today about, you know, what do you do if you and your spouse have different values in terms of specifically spending? This is one area where I see this most manifest. I've counseled hundreds of individuals about financial decision-making often in the context of household spending. And I'll tell you, I've, I've also been on the phone with folks crying over decisions that led to crushing student debt in some cases. I've been party to awkward family fights involving two generations. And I've learned a little bit about helpful ways to communicate in this context from seeing it done well and from seeing it done badly between family members and in some cases between an advisor and people that uh, are clients of that advisor. A couple episodes ago, episode 158, I talked about financial dogmas. These financial perspectives that are formative, that are so deeply held, that are, you know, sometimes right, sometimes wrong, sometimes constructive, sometimes destructive, but are a result of formative experiences or relationships from when you're younger. Understanding that that is a thing that happens and that it is a thing that does impact the decisions you make today, it's really critical to get your brain wrapped around that because not only is that true for you, it's true for your partner, for your spouse, for other physicians in your physician partnership. A lot of what we're going to talk about today is true in marriage, it's true in business partnerships, and we're going to talk about some ways to communicate around what might be a bit of a hot potato topic, something that's very charged, very difficult, very emotional. It's really important to be able to converse about these types of things because if you're in a partnership, in a medical practice, where partners can't talk about a critical issue that is having a significant present impact on the health of that partnership, then you're in a boat with a person you don't like and water is coming in and you can't stop it. That is a bad, bad place to be. And if you're married to that person, it's even more difficult and the stakes are even higher. So a few things that I want to discuss in terms of approach. And as I was thinking about this, the one of the most emotionally charged circumstances that came to mind. And I've had different versions of this conversation over the years is my spouse is spending all my money is the short version of it. Or my spouse doesn't care about building wealth or, you know, some version of a difference in value in terms of spending. Every paycheck is a new handbag for them, or they just wanted to buy this car. And I don't, I know that all we need is something to get us from A to B because financial independence is more important or whatever. 
And without making any values judgments on these ideas, the, it's clear that when these differences of perspective exist, there's a, a lot of pressure on the communication related to this topic. And so what I want to do today is hopefully give you a couple tools to, if you find yourself in this circumstance, either in a partnership or in a marriage, and there's these differences of values, of priorities, difference in understanding, hopefully you will be equipped to be able to move the ball down the field, to make progress, to have things get better and not stay bad until your circumstance is totally irredeemable. So I want to talk about four different ideas, four tools you can use to be able to communicate in circumstances where there's a lot of emotional charge around a difficult topic related to money. The first thing you got to do is understand when you're talking with your partner, objective data gathering must be the first step. So before there's even any conversation that happens, you've got to know your starting point. And this can be difficult because sometimes gathering data is annoying <laughs> or challenging or difficult in whatever way, or sometimes even the data itself, <laughs> the gathering and presentation of data implies you know, a certain impugning of the other. It, it is a necessary first step. And maybe you're one of those physicians, you feel like you have no money, you know you're making 1% level income. You're wondering, where the heck does it all go? I was talking to a successful advisor friend the other day, quickly moving towards a seven-figure income, and she was making this observation. It's incredible how fast it flies out the door. The more your income ratchets up, it just seems that money can be spent just as quickly, especially in the absence of a plan. So if you have no data, you don't even have a starting point. So the first thing you want to do, if we're talking about, in this case, spending, printing up credit card statements, using a software to link up accounts, Mint, Personal Capital are two free ones. And I'll link to these resources in the show notes. So apmsuccess.com slash 163, I'll have a list of all these things. Another good one is YNAB, which is an acronym for You Need a Budget. If you're looking at spending and you want to understand where money's going and you're willing to put in a little more time and elbow grease into scrubbing your data, that can get you, that's the best software I'm aware of for quantifying spending. So Gathering the data, understanding the objective criteria around how much is coming in, how much is going out, and then having that as a common ground. Because often when these arguments happen, there's a different presumed starting point between the, the stakeholders in the discussion. If you have objective data that you're putting on the table and you're both looking at that data at the same time, this at least ensures that the starting point is a common starting point. Number two of the four points is... Let the data speak. And this gets a little bit into, I don't want to say Jedi mind trick because that makes it sound manipulative, but the reflex in having these very conversations on very emotionally charged topics is to come out with guns blazing and say, look, we made X thousand last month and we spent that entire X thousand and of that X percentage is what you spent and you're pointing a finger. We're not using objective data gathering in order to load your guns <laughs> to then shoot at your partner. That is not a constructive way to have a conversation. It's not going to surprise most people in this audience. And so diplomacy and empathy, if you, if you really, if your end goal is 
a harmonious relationship. And, you know, in a business partnership, it doesn't always need to be the goal because sometimes you're better off moving on. But in a marriage, it's obviously a much more profound commitment. And so you don't want to just have money be this wedge that keeps on getting hammered, driving you apart. You want to look at the data as objectively as possible and let the data speak. So asking questions, looking at numbers together, and what you'll frequently find, what I frequently find is that when I have these conversations, I often, you know, come to the table with clients. And I know intuitively at the beginning, I can see what's going on. I can see how much is coming in and how much is going out. I see the disconnect between what the client says that they want, which is, yeah, I want to be financially independent in eight years. I want to be working part-time. The difference between that and their current habits. And it's one thing for me to come in and say, hey, you're doing it all wrong. We need to revamp everything. It's very different. It's a much more constructive approach, which creates a lot more buy-in when I come with data. And I'm not even making any observations. I'm just saying, here's the numbers. I'm going to make a few observations, but I'm curious, what do you see here? So in that context, it's much more collaborative. It's much more, frankly, humble. It's it's less high horsey, if you will. It's a lot better way to build consensus than if you use data as a weapon. Again, you obviously need to contextualize this for your own circumstances, but letting the data speak rather than being the one who speaks when possible. Obviously, it's possible you might show someone the data, you know, $30,000 a month comes in, $30,000 a month goes out, and someone could look at that and think there's no problem here. We're living within our means. But if your goal is to only spend 20 of the 30 and save 10, then, you know, there's you probably need to integrate a third party at that point. But letting the data speak as much as possible, allowing your counterpart to draw conclusions from the data that you've gathered, rather than you shoving conclusions in their face. You might find that's more constructive. The third tool that I want to introduce to make these conversations more constructive, I just alluded to it, is to involve a third party. There's a lot of issues here when it gets into, again, I'm looking at basically the most emotionally charged version of this, which is personal spending. There's other business decisions and sort of, I'll call them the practice management version of these own challenges. I want to open up a new business line. My partner doesn't. I think there's a financial opportunity. They don't. You can follow this same formula, but ultimately if there's a difference of opinion, a third party to facilitate the conversation is going to be helpful. So sometimes that's a financial advisor. Sometimes it's a trusted mutual friend or mutual mentor to quarterback the conversation to give some objective feedback and to be in some cases a tie-breaking vote. And again, I'm as much as possible, it's always most helpful when there's not winners and losers. Because I do believe that in most cases, we can create consensus and build common vision and then move towards that common vision. It doesn't need to be that we need a tie-breaking vote to say person A won, person B lost, and we're going to do what person A wants. Because that's that's really never my goal when I come in as a third party or when I encourage others to use a third party. But sometimes there's uh, technical considerations around, you know, what is a good savings rate, for example? What is a bona fide business opportunity? And it's not as easy as looking at data objectively. You really do need someone to help interpret it. But Bringing in a third party can be really useful. And I also want to, at this point, give a plug for the Financial Therapy Association. 
So this is financialtherapyassociation.org. Again, you can find it in the show notes, apmsuccess.com slash 163. If you find that you and your partner have pretty significant and you feel borderline irreconcilable differences in terms of the way that you handle your money, something like the Financial Therapy Association can be a really useful tool. And these are counselors who are you know, financially literate and experts, and in some cases they're CFPs, but they also have advanced training in behavioral finance and human psychology and, you know, communication and relationships, et cetera. And they can help you explore your own baggage, (laughs) your own challenges, your own composition as it relates to financial decision-making. And then ultimately, perhaps if your partner is willing, integrate your partner into that conversation as well. The ultimate goal is there's a mutual exploration, a mutual discovery about why do we think what we think? If one partner says we need to save more and the other says, I feel like we're living within our means, what are the life experiences that contribute to those perspectives? And then how can we reconcile those and ultimately move towards a more harmonious relationship? So again, in some cases, an advisor can handle this, but having an additional layer of training can also be really useful if this is significantly divisive and gets into sort of the psychological component of what spending is, for example. So that's point number three, involve a third party when necessary. And then the fourth tool that I want to offer when trying to build consensus for important decisions between spouses or between partners in a medical practice is your language matters. The words that you use are either building momentum for something collectively, or they're pointing an accusatory finger. And nobody likes to have that finger pointed at them. And you need to go in understanding that, especially if it's an emotionally charged topic, the words that you use are really important. And this gets back to what I mentioned before, building a common vision, moving towards a common goal, defining that common goal, and then encouraging the other, your your counterpart to move with you towards that goal. So using words like, I feel like we are, and then describe the status quo. Instead of saying, I feel like you are. I feel like you are spending too much. I feel like you are not making progress. I feel like we are not making the progress we want. I feel like we could be doing better with these things. That shows that you're in the same foxhole. (laughs) Hopefully you don't feel like you're in opposite foxholes. You're in the same foxhole. With regards to language, you also wanna avoid superlatives. Don't say always, don't say never. Don't say the best decision or the worst decision. because That is seldom the case. It's seldom the case that you are always the problem. You are always the one who does this. You never would be willing to do something like that. Using more moderate language can be really, really helpful to, again, turn down the temperature on this conversation. It's already emotionally charged. Your partner probably already feels once you've gathered the data and you're sitting at the table and you've come with the data, they may already be in a defensive posture. (laughs) So as much as you can, diffusing that by establishing common ground, establishing the goals that you share in common and expressing a desire to, with your partner, move towards those goals, really, really important. And then finally, in terms of language, discussing the why, discussing in greater detail the common fabric that you have philosophically to establish the maximum amount of positive common ground. That's going to, again, especially if your partner's coming in and is defensive, It's going to align everyone's sight on that thing that you both want. Listen, spouse, 
I know that we both want the best for our kids. I know that education is really important to us. I know that we both have different perspectives about what that could mean, but I know that this conversation happening right now is an expression of our deep care and love for our children. And then you go into the conversation about, should we do public school versus private school? Or should we send our kid to XYZ private university and take on debt in order to do it? But establishing that common ground, describing the why and using it to share and affirm the values that you have in common is so useful in uh, deconstructing that defensive posture, disarming it a little bit. So hopefully these tools are helpful and useful. I want to recap them again real quick. If you're in your marriage or in your business partnership having significant angst and difficulty in communicating around emotionally charged topics, number one, gather objective data so that you're working from the same page in order to have a constructive conversation. Number two, let the data speak. Give your partner, your counterpart an opportunity to review and interpret the data and see if they don't perhaps come to the same conclusion on their own without you needing to take on an adversarial posture. Number three, involve a third party when necessary or when you feel it's appropriate, a trusted advisor, counselor, mentor. And then number four, language matters. Use we and not you. Avoid superlatives. Build common ground philosophically. Remind your partner the things that you share, the deeply held beliefs and values that hopefully will describe the the arc of your trajectory together moving towards those common goals. I would be really curious. I would love to do a part two on this. Anybody who has had significant challenges in their relationship and their business partnership and has had any other good resources that have been useful, please email me, justin at apmsuccess.com. I would love to add them to the list of resources that I'm going to include in these show notes because I think having constructive conversation, cultivating mutual understanding, approaching these discussions with deep empathy, and compassion in cases and understanding that it's difficult for everyone. That goes a long, long, long way towards making these really productive and not unnecessarily painful. So as always, thanks for tuning in. Look forward to speaking with you again next week. If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.